welcome to another episode of the Joypad Podcast. I don't know, sometimes we put a the in front of it, sometimes we don't. It just makes it feel more official. I am one of your hosts, Michael Pinto. I am joined by the full gang tonight. We have Michael Fleming, Tom, and Megan. And then uh, we're just going to talk about some stuff like we always do instead of starting everything off myself. I, as usual, will pass it on to one of my co-hosts <laughs> to hear what they're drinking, what they've been playing, and their general state of being, whether that be, you know, their digestive system, their mental health, etc. <laughs> oh, Michael Fleming, you weren't on last week's episode. You didn't get so to hear was. about my digestive issues. I was, I was on last week's episode. I was not he on was. Week the week before. Oh, man. Two weeks ago, yeah. Two Time weeks ago, is, I did not hear I'm about that. I'm sorry. Time's an illusion. I, it's been a couple few days. It keeps on slipping, right? In time the keeps on slipping <laughs> into, into the, the future. future. Mr. Michael Fleming, what are you What's drinking? Up? How are you feeling? What have you been playing? And anything else you'd like to regale us with? You know, because you were there, and I told Tom too, but I was bit by a dog the other day. Oh, no. That was cool. I'm okay, but that still is messing with me a little bit. It's been on my mind a lot. But we did find out the dog has all of its shots, so I'm not going to have to get those... Uh, nasty rabies ones and all those things. That's a good thing because apparently those are very painful and very expensive. I am drinking some leaf juice known as tea to some people. And I'm also drinking an, is it Omgang or Omigang? Omagong. Omagong. Well, whatever it is. Rare Voss, uh, which is an amber ale with orange peel, grains of paradise, and coriander. And as the first sip, it's very tasty. Grains and, uh, of paradise? Grains of paradise, yeah. I would say. Hey, man, they had to go all the way to paradise to get those <laughs> grains. <laughs> paradise? Kentucky. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like regular wheat, but they yeah. got it from, like, they pulled it out of, like, heaven. Someone tries it. It's just like, it's, it just tastes like wheat. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It actually is a very tasty drink, so I'm very happy with it. And uh, I have not played too much in the past week uh, beyond my normal stuff. So nothing super interesting. I have considered getting an NFL Madden game because I, Tom told me uh, I heard they're on PC. And I didn't even know that. So I kind of want to play a Madden game since I've been watching a lot of football the past two weeks um, or a couple weeks now. Uh, so that's on my mind to play, but I haven't done it yet. Um, otherwise, just uh, War Selection as per my normal recently um yeah that's about it so tom how you doing what are you drinking what are you playing how you feeling what's life about um doing pretty good we got some bad news uh today that uh my dog may have a uh, bone tumor but um there are possibly some options around that he's an older dog we adopted him as an older dog we knew that you know he might have some trouble as an older dog does so yeah. we love him he's been great he doesn't bite anybody he just walks up to them and whenever we take him to the vet he is so beloved by everyone that we almost don't get him back because <laughs> he's such a sweetheart just hoping everything um works out for the best it might just be that he will had an old fracture we're waiting on updated x-rays so that's been uh heavy on my mind but um Outside of that, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving, which is this Thursday in Recording World. You guys will hear this probably a week after that. So I hope the stuffing was good. 
<laughs> in addition, I actually have uh, as my beverage tonight uh, something I talked about, uh, I think, on last week's episode, right? The uh, Best Made Sour Pickle Beer, a product of Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, and I haven't opened it and I haven't tried it. Um, so I'm going to crack it open right now. Ooh. ASMR. And give it a. ASMR. Enjoy that. <laughs> and uh, it smells like pickles. <laughs> and uh, they can they can see my face, and it's just kind of like, what is that? That's <laughs> eh, all right. It it tastes like pickle juice. To be it'll grow on with you. It tastes very much like pickle juice. I'm Ew. kind of impressed. I like pickle juice, so um, I'm pretty pleased with that. <laughs> it's it's stronger than I thought it was, and it's also at the same time milder than I thought it would be. Anyhow, <laughs> in my non-pickling, <laughs> I haven't played too much. Uh, played some War Selection. Played a lot of War Selection, actually. I'm almost at my second country. But playing a lot of free-for-alls. I played a 16-man free-for-all game in War Selection wow. the other day, which I didn't even know was possible, um, which was pretty fun. My wife has been playing a ton of Pokemon Sword, uh, and I've been watching her play that, which has been cool, because um, she hasn't taken the lead on a video game in a little while. But she ba- she beat the main story. Uh, and she's working on the second DLC pack now. So it's been fun. Um, and we just got her access to the Nintendo Online account. So I introduced her to the joy of the uh, surprise trades. Oh, nice. And she's she's just as obsessed with it as I am. So it's a lot of fun um, just kind of enjoying that. Cool. So from there, I will throw it to Megan. How is your general state of being? What have dogs done to you lately? Uh <laughs> And uh, what have you been playing and what are you drinking? Uh, my, my general state of being is, is pretty even. I'll take it. I can't really complain. Uh, it's a holiday week, so I'll have some time off from work, which I I think I'll spend playing games. Uh, as far as how dogs have been to me, dogs are the best. They're such good, good boys. Um, that's one thing I hate about COVID because I don't have a dog. I don't get to see many dogs. And I'm uh, stuck with my two cats. One very unpleasant, one super dumb. But they're they're mine, so I'll take it. <laughs> uh, as far as beverage, I have some ginger seltzer this evening. Um, Game-wise, I've been playing Demon Souls. And I also decided to start playing Persona 5 again. Uh, based on your bringing it up and and triggering that part in my brain where I'm like, hey, I really enjoyed that game. Thanks for recommending it again, Tom. Um, (laughs) I'm holding up a copy of Persona 5 on the the, uh, camera as it just came in the mail recently. Um, So yeah, I've been playing that and diving back in because it's like one of those games where I I stepped away for too long that I need to start over to remember everything. But uh, that's about it for me. Uh, I will throw it back to Mr. Pinto. What are you drinking? How are you doing? What are you playing? And what are we going to talk about? I am a very sleepy boy. Uh, It's been a long couple days. Friday, I did the work. Saturday, I took a three-hour drive down to visit Mr. Fleming and hung out for a couple hours and then drove back. And then yesterday I did a 12-hour shift, and this morning I did a 6-hour shift. So currently I'm drinking some bean juice, which I don't normally partake in. 
I'm drinking a Cafe Bustelo Colombian roast, which is Ooh. quite good. It's strong, but I gotta, I gotta tell you, I'm tired. Uh, I also got some water. Yes. Is it the espresso, espresso Cafe Bustelo or the other one, which I forget what it is? Oh, no, it's not espresso. It's just regular Colombian, but it's pretty good. Uh, my dad is a, a coffee connoisseur, and we have, like, probably 20 to 25 different kinds of coffee in the house at all times. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Game-wise, I have not been playing much. I have received several invites to games, such as Among Us with friends and War Selection with friends, and I've just been too tired to play games recently, and it sucks because I want to play games and be social and have fun. But I'm tired and grumpy and don't want to subject people to that, so I don't. But I would like to play some more Selection and some Among Us eventually. I want to get... I'm planning on jumping back into Final Fantasy XV, replaying it with all Ooh. the DLC. I've really been wanting to do that. And I also just persaged... Purchased Visage? Visage? I don't know how Visage. you would pronounce it. Visage. The yeah. scary spooky game that Megan was or talking Visage. about. Visage, that's been in development for like five years and finally just came out. Yeah. Did I answer all the questions? I think so. I think Except so, for the last aside topic, from topic. Which is what <laughs> we're going to talk about today. So, I've thought about how we could do some like recurring topics because sometimes we do like a deep dive on something ultra specific and sometimes I like to keep it broad in general and this is one of those times where I'd like to keep it pretty broad, and I feel like this is a subject that we could speak on probably multiple times over multiple episodes, because I'm sure we all have a lot of examples. I'd like to talk about some of our favorite levels and or locales in video games. And that, I mean, could be, you know, when you think about a level, you're thinking about like a platforming game. Or, you know, a 3D adventure game, like the first level of Sonic Adventure, where Sonic falls out of a helicopter and you get to listen to Escape from the City, and it's awesome, even though <laughs> people don't like to talk about how Sonic's awesome, but he really is. Or, like, you know, in Fleming's case, I was thinking, like, there's probably one or two, like, StarCraft maps that he's like, oop, I'm not allowed to say that. Ooh. I friggin' love this map. What have you done? Everyone gets one. It'll be bleeped. Sleep, sleep has done terrible. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think we all have a couple and we can just kind of name some or obviously go into more detail about them. For me, I wanted to actually start off with a StarCraft II map that I really liked. That was oh, called... Boy. Oh, God. Was it Abyssal City? I think it was an underwater map, which was really cool because it's a concept that they didn't explore very much. I always kind of liked the more outlier maps. I understand why they don't do snow maps, because it's it's hard on people's eyes. So for a professional player, they don't want to play on a snow map because they can't focus on it for as long if they're doing a long marathon session. But I really think it was called like Abyssal City or Abyssal Reef or something like that. Things would explode. And all the the bits and bubbles would, like, float upwards, which was a really cool detail. 
I see Fleming like looking it up right now. I, think. <laughs> I was not looking that up, but I, want, I had a comment on something you said. You keep going with your thing. I, I and, find out the name of it. And again, like I was never a great StarCraft II player, at least on my own. I tended to play more team games with Tom and Fleming and some of our other friends. At one point, I don't know if we've ever mentioned this, but Fleming and I were very hardcore into the 2v2 scene that was like non-existent. But we were one of the top 100 best teams in the entire world for a little while. We tried very hard, and it was mostly him that did the work. <laughs> but I, I was along for the ride, and it made me feel cool to see our names up there. But, you know, StarCraft is not a team game. So nothing really came of it, and now we're both too frustrated with life to play it. Starcraft just <laughs> takes a lot of work. I mean, as as we know. But the one thing that you said that was interesting to me, and I I tried to find the map. I looked up the YouTube video. It's still very much available. But um, in Starcraft, there was a massive rival rivalry between Jadong and Flash. Anyone that knows anything about Starcraft knows those two names and knows their rivalry from about that 2010 era somewhere in that time frame. A little before, a little after. Um, but. They played at the 2010 WCG Finals, and you said, you know, no snow maps um, or no tundra maps, and I can't remember the name of the map, but it was one of my favorite maps and it's one of my favorite games. You can go on YouTube and type in WCG 2010 uh, Set 2 or Game 2 uh, Flash vs. Jadong. It was actually the semifinals, not the finals, excuse me. Um, but that map was tundra. It had a little bit of snow in it, and it's my favorite map with two of my favorite players from an era where like I was very much fully devoted to Starcraft. So um, I know what you're talking about when, when you talk about um, specific levels and, and everything. And for me, that's where most of mine are those, those competitive aspects. Same as um, what I was going to talk about is more of like first person shooter games. So counter-strike again, a, a, uh, very you know very um map driven game you know balance can be shifted based on the map and the team's uh play styles in that so again anyone that you talk to that played counter-strike knows things like mirage or dust 2 um and if you go if you talk to someone about like cpl mill which is a map from like 2006 2007 time frame around that time like Anyone that kind of can remember what that map looks like. In fact, there's a um, an old YouTube video called Door Stuck from CPL Mill. You can look it up. It's pretty funny um, in the SCA pub match. But, you know, it's, it's those kind of things where, like, you say those names to people and you're like, oh, yes. And it's much easier in a game like Counter-Strike versus StarCraft. Oh, my God. There's So you just sent a surge of memory through me. And not not 100% for Counter-Strike, but um, back in the day when I was the most casual Counter-Strike player you've ever met, uh, there used to be a mode that had some sort of like, I, I want to say it had some kind of like Star Wars theme to it. And you would like float through space into the map and then you would get points over time and you could buy like superpowers that you could use. Like one of them let you swing around like Spider-Man and all that fun stuff. Um, and it wasn't the map so much that was fun, but like the powers in that one. But what that reminded me of was there was actually a mod for Counter-Strike called The Specialists. And it wasn't super wi widely played, but I was really into it for a while. Um, and the entire idea of it was to kind of 
take on a lot of the movies that use like wire foo kind of stuff and build like a Counter-Strike kind of deathmatch situation around that. So you had, uh, they made a character that was Gordon from Half-Life in like a Matrix trench coat, <laughs> was like the flagship character. And uh, the main um, the main stage that you would see the most of was called Lobby. And it was modeled after like the famous The Matrix Lobby scene where there are metal detectors and the guns and they shoot up the agents and all that. You could play as like an agent looking guy too. But it had a slow-mo mechanic to it and a diving mechanic and it had swords and a whole bunch of different guns. You could do dual pistols, all this kind of stuff. But you got style points for killing people. So, like, if you killed someone while you were doing a dive, you would get, like, two or three points instead of just one for just getting one while you were running around. I think you got two points for doing a sword, stuff like that. But, like, that level and just the iconic scene of, like, playing in that area. It had the helicopter. You you could do this long dive from, like, a skyscraper to where the helicopter was. Um Oh, it's so much fun <laughs> for like a competitive yeah. playset. Well, those those public uh, maps, even I like I I began as most people do as a public Counter Strike scrub on the public servers and and all of that. Um, you know, in fifteen first fifteen uh, rounds and and those kind of things. But I remember maps like De Rats. You know, anyone that's played Counter Strike might remember that. Um, really popular back in one point five and 1.6 right around then 2005 or so um but there's you know in it's funny that penta you mentioned starcraft but like you almost couldn't remember the name you can remember more the style of map because like that's my biggest problem with starcraft versus like counter-strike i clearly remember the counter-strike maps because it's just so many games thousands of games and rounds and everything playing the map over and over starcraft because the maps change so much and they try new things like the and the names are also really weird like um you know it, it's harder to put a uh, a name to those because they always have like a, a phrase almost the ones that i think people most commonly would know are the maps that um kind of came out early on so or or have very long long longevity so like fighting spirit from starcraft brood war everyone knows, you know that's played competitive starcraft remembers fighting spirit um Lost Temple, another great example. That's from the original StarCraft, though. Um, and then in StarCraft 2, people would probably remember, like, Steps of War as the first competitive map where, you know, you had um, people uh, doing, like, Thor rushes and, and Roach rushes and all kinds of crazy stuff because the map was definitely not designed very well for competitive play. Hey, I remember one non-competitive map, and that is Big Game Hunters. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Hundreds of, probably millions of people um, would remember Big Game Hunters in particular because of the, again, thousands of hours of repetitive play on that one map alone. Same as Fast as Possible map, another example of um, from StarCraft where people are all going to know that that game. Um, let's turn it from the competitive, though, because like I, I also think, you know, um, I don't play as many like rpgs or other kinds of adventure games but one pinto when you suggested this topic is that i love when there's a game that kind of tries to base itself on being um realistic and they try to actually portray that city or that town 
or whatever it might be in the game and they actually really try to make it make the map feel like you're in that location so for me in the last of us when you go to pittsburgh you Mm. know that's an iconic one for me where i'm like this actually feels like i'm in pittsburgh right now and like the idea of it having kind of been taken over by by nature again really stood out to me as a really fun um part of that game and really iconic but have you played fallout 3 or any of the other fallout games yeah I was no, just I thinking Fallout 4. But Fallout's another example of that. Absolutely, I know that. F- Fallout 3 is like centered around DC mm-hmm. and just the way you see yeah. the impact on so many of those structures is is really cool. Fallout 4, I, I, you know what? When they said it was going to be Boston, I was like, that's super cool. And then I realized I didn't really, I wasn't really familiar with a whole lot of like Boston architecture. Right. And, you know, it doesn't have the same landmarks as Washington, DC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Vegas was really cool. New Vegas was cool just because the casino theme and then uh, a lot of the California theme too because you get into that sort of area. And even the uh, the deserts and the sort of Native American culture they weaved in there. That was really cool. Uh, there, I, I wasn't thinking about the Fallout game series, but those have done an incredible job with a lot of the levels. And, you know, that's that's more environment to me than the specific kind of level design like a a specific kind of encounter dungeon or something like that not to nitpick yeah i mean i i think there probably are specific dungeons in there which i could i could dive into i think it's the jefferson memorial at the end of fallout 3 where they do the water purification they build a water purification plant out of one of the iconic memorials and i think Mm -hmm. it's the jefferson memorial um, so you kind of see like the statue of Jefferson sitting there and then there's just all these pipes running around him and like <laughs> factory machinery in the back and stuff. It's just really interesting um, from that perspective. I'm, I'm just thinking about a, a little a little game called Donkey Kong Country. Um, <laughs> um, I'm glad you are because I thought. All right. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you finish one second. But he's gonna while I was thinking, finish, I'm going to let you finish. While I was thinking about this topic, I was I thought of like a number of games. It's like I love the level design in these games. I can't recall anything specific, and Donkey Kong was like peak in my mind. So anyway, go on, go on, Megan. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> specifically, uh, I think it was Minecart Carnage, where like yeah. right when you enter the mine, you jump into the barrel and you're shot into a minecart. Just all of the gaps and the weird jumps that you need to make, and the enemies that can attack you, and like. They're just so silly and fun, and the music is great. The environments are cool looking. Like, Donkey Kong Country, I think, is one of my favorite games for level design. Or, I I can't remember the name of the level, but you play as, like, you you find your swordfish friend that helps you get through, yeah, the underwater maze. The water levels had the best music. They really did. The swordfish in general was great just because he could, like, poke everything with the uh-huh. needle. And, like, you would see him pop and blow up. But, like, try- what what was it that he were trying to navigate around? Like, pufferfish or something? Um, I think there were sharks. Something like that. There were piranhas, okay. sharks, barracudas. Yeah. Clams. Barracuda. <laughs> clams. Oh, yes, the giant. I remember the, the clams. giant clam. I, I can't think of any particular stage again, but I just remember loving Donkey Kong Country 3. Mm-hmm. Where you had Trixie Kong who could float with like by spinning. Oh the yeah, hair, her pigtails or whatever. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so cool. And then uh, Kitty Kong who was just a big fat baby. Yes. 
Those were fun games. I 105%ed that game years and years ago, and I have no desire to ever play it again, I think. <laughs> That's fair. 105%. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Don't know how you yeah, I know. 5% something. I, I don't know why games do that, but that, that definitely was a thing. Because well, 100 is not good enough. Game. It's not. Yeah. yeah. You got to give 105%. Around the same time of those games, a game I've mentioned, I believe, a few times on the call or on the podcast, excuse me, but also just in general talking with you guys. Titanic calls. Adventure Out of Time? <laughs> sure. Yes. That one, too. Um, that is obviously a very iconic. Uh, it obviously map. captured the historical period. Of it, did, <laughs> it did pretty well for a game from like 97. And we still are going to play that at some point on the Joypad YouTube channel. <laughs> Check it out. Um, <laughs> but what I was actually thinking of, um, was Conker's Bad Fur Day. Oh, and yeah. Because in large part, um, the, the one I was thinking of was the Great Mighty Pooh, which you can certainly go find the YouTube video of the, of someone playing and beating that boss. But like, there's so many iconic, um, uh, people and uh, maps and battles that you have to do that through that and then there's like multiplayer um, you know with that game like I remember I don't remember what exactly it was called but I know that you had uh, you could play basically the equivalent of a d-day where you're trying to storm the beaches um, mm-hmm. and take uh, take the pillboxes um, I still remember that I haven't played Conqueror's Bad Fur Day in years but that was such a fun thing to do with my friends as a kid Um so that that game, um, I think music plays a part. We've kind of mentioned sometimes, like in water maps, the music plays a part. Um, you know, I think that those kind of uh, situations too. There's like I think the blend of music with the environment that you're in really can help put it uh, in your mind almost permanently um, in the future. You, you know. You just made me realize I was thinking a ton about RPGs when I was first thinking about this topic, mm-hmm. and I missed like the greatest low-hanging fruit of all time, which is Mario Kart. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like any of them, really. The... Rainbow any Road. Of them... Rainbow yep. Road is exactly the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. Um, just like all the twists and turns, and then knowing the secret passages where you can just take those invisible roads. But you and... need to have oh, a mushroom God. to hit them, you know, in, yep. in a couple of them. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the the level design in Mario Kart, from the original all the way through, but I would say especially in the original, was just exquisite in the way that it captured... Well, I, I say the original. I'm speaking about 64, not the Super Nintendo game. Um, it's exquisite in the way that it captured the Mario spirit mm-hmm. and turned it into nascar (laughs) right (laughs) like the wario stage that has all those dirt jumps Mm -hmm. and is you know basically truckosaurus bowser's um, castle mario kart bowser's castle very very mario i love the dry bones stage in the desert um where you know it really kind of focuses on that feeling of mario when you're in that you know you have the angry sun chasing you and the dry bones and the deserts but you're racing. There's a train. You know. There's all that fun stuff. So, um, I- incredible. I mean, Mario is always incredible, but the level designs are really. Well, you mentioned Mario, but... and then you you, you kind of hinted on RPGs. The water um, part of Mario sixty four, where you go down to like the ship. Yeah. Like I haven't played that uh, game in dire, forever. Dire Dire Docks. Yes, Dire Dire yep. Docks. Um, like, I I think of that game and like. 
I have not played that game probably in 20 years, if not a little mm-hmm. longer than that. But I still remember them. Like, if someone played the music, I instantly know what it's from. If, like, someone showed me a screenshot and took out Mario, I still would know what it's from. Just because, again, an iconic moment of that game. And, like, I remember being fascinated how, like, as a little kid, how far games were coming and, like, letting me explore something from a 3D environment and everything. Just we're really so advanced. So cool. <laughs> And all the kids now are probably like, eh, every game does that now. But you just you don't understand unless you were there. Yeah, um, I think is the thing. Take that, children. Yeah, <laughs> you'll never know. Back in my day, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's funny though. Like Mario Kart, Mario sixty four. No matter what Mario it is, it always seems like there's level innovation in Mario. And I was thinking about this earlier, but like, I wouldn't say the generic Mario game. So thinking about like. Super Mario World 1, 2, 3 on Super Nintendo and, and NES, eh, a little bit. You know, you get your underwater worlds, you get your raccoon tail where you can fly up a little bit. But what really hit me was uh, Super Mario Land 2 on the original Game Boy, uh, which actually was subtitled Six Golden Coins, which I had to remember by Googling earlier. <laughs> but uh, the one world that really stuck out to me is you get to go to the moon, and it affects the physics of Mario's jumping and like what a lot of the enemies were. And he had to wear a spacesuit and all this stuff. And there's another world where Mario's like super small and everything else is huge. And like all of these different worlds that really played with what it was to be Mario in a Mario game. I thought, I, I thought that was really cool. And it's kind of a forgotten game among all the rest of the Marios too. So I highly recommend it. You can beat it in probably three hours on a Game Boy. Uh, not for like a, a specific level in general, but just the general environment and locale. I, I like to think about the Bioshock games, um, especially, uh, what was it, Bioshock Infinite with New Columbia. Just that steampunky, futuristic, city in the sky vibe that it had. That was a lot of fun. You like flying around on uh, sky hooks? I do. <laughs> <laughs> that game was so good. It was. I love the series in general. I, are they ever going to make another one? E, they, yeah. Yes. They are still working on things. And the lead, I don't know what you would call him, from the studio studio that does Bioshock, he's like gotten permission to work on both Bioshock and some other project that he really wants to do. Hmm, um, interesting. So I, I think there's something in the works, but like everything, who knows when it will come out. Yeah, that's, that's great news. I mm-hmm. mean, I, uh, my wife and I recently played through the whole Bioshock collection, 1, 2, and Infinite. And I mean, it, it, it's just such a good series. The level design is like, immaculate from the beginning just yeah. the idea of what's the what's the underwater city called atlas or uh, something like oh, i looked it up before for, this and i can't remember I'm i'll 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 google it but anyway like the um the idea of that and the idea of the it, kind of capitalism run amok mm-hmm. um and then people losing their mind when uh things don't go the utopian way that they expected <laughs> it to it's really fun to explore especially with superpowers rapture Rapture, that's it. Yeah. What was Atlas figures in there somewhere? I just forget how. That that might be in Infinite, but I I don't remember. It's been a while since I've played them all. I like those unique environments where somebody is kind of like toyed with the idea of something that could be normal, like an underwater city, a cloud yeah. city, 
Um, it's very interesting. Um, you know, of, of the same token and blending that with what I was talking about earlier with Mario games, there is so much, so much in Super Mario RPG um, that does that kind of stuff. You have Mallow's Cloud Kingdom. You have the Star Road with Geno. You guys were talking about the underwater level in Super Mario RP or Super Mario 64. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the pirate ship was actually what I thought of from Super Mario RPG. Yeah. Where you had to solve the, the riddle with the messages in the bottle and all the different puzzles. And I just remember playing that like a, a Christmas Eve at like two in the morning when I couldn't sleep because I was too, too excited for Christmas <laughs> Day. Um, and just playing that for like three hours while I waited for uh, my parents to wake up. But the number one thing, two, two things really stuck out to me. Number two is Yoshi Island, which you had to go through some secrets to unlock. Yep. Um, not that it was a huge area, but just seeing all those Yoshis in one place doing their races, I can still remember all the music. It's just iconic, you know. And then the next one was Booster Tower <laughs> with a strange Mario villain that has never, ever seen the light of day ever again. Uh, probably because he looks almost exactly like Wario with a giant beard as a Viking, who would just have random family portraits and hide behind them and hope that you didn't catch him as you tried to get Princess Toadstool off of the giant cake that he made. Pinto, help me with my memory. The Final Fantasy XV, the island that you need to travel to, what is that named? Uh, Altitia. Altitia. I really liked Altitia. I thought it was just, it was beautiful, and it was like a, a one-time-only place that you can go and visit, so like finish all of your side quests and buy all of the things that you want, but I, I just thought it was great, the city that was surrounded in water. Is that like the endgame city kind of thing? Uh, pretty much, yeah. It's the start of the endgame. Yeah. yeah. I did want to mention that Tom brought up Super Mario RPG, but didn't mention... What uh, is my favorite area in the game? And I think it's because it's such a left turn. Uh, the final, well, I guess the penultimate dungeon, if you want to consider the factory the last area, is, I don't even know what it's called, but once you clear Bowser's Castle, you fight the giant sword on top of Bowser's Castle called Exor, and then it pulls you into this area that is so different from the entirety of the rest of the game. Uh, it's dark blue. There's this weird, like, grainy wave feature all over it. The music is, again, like... We've we've talked about maybe doing an episode on game music, but it's really hard to do because you can't we can't play any of it because we'd get, you know, copyright strikes and or sued. But the music in this area is also extremely different from anywhere else in the game which it all sounds you know like mario music blah 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 but here it's this weird industrial tone if you know anything about music it's in a 13 over 8 time signature which is just it's bonkers there's like two songs that i know of besides that that do it one is by the maha vishnu orchestra and the other is the <laughs> terminator theme but like it's just it, it it's something that completely like lets you know like this is a very different part of the game and you're in 
basically this barren alien land that does not belong in Mario World at all. And it's just so cool. Is that not the factory? It's like what, uh... on the way to the factory, I guess. It's kind of like the midway point thing, right? Yeah, it's also where, uh, spoilers, you find out that all the bosses you fought throughout the game were just made in a factory and they're consistently churning out just versions of all these bosses that you've already faced early on. Then you fight them again. <laughs> yeah. It's just... I really wish that there was another, like, Square and Mario game. Because it's so unique, even compared to all the other Mario RPGs that have come out afterwards. Including, you know, Paper Mario games, which are great. But not quite... It doesn't quite scratch that particular itch. No. Well... I, I worry that Square is not in the same place that it used to be either, and we would never, it would never kind of recapture the same lightning in a bottle that happened well, I'm back. I'm surprised then, Nintendo but... hasn't considered just going on their own with it. Oh, I, I guess Paper Mario has. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It, it goes to an extent. <laughs> they probably also are just worried about, you know, the legacy that's already out there with Super Mario RPG. True. So, True. Um, I, I would throw out there uh one other one or two other games that i really caught my eye uh that i was really thinking about when we brought this topic up um the first one should come as no surprise this is the very very first thing that i thought of with the topic mass effect nope oh <laughs> i don't i don't have i don't have mass effect on here at all though <laughs> mass effect does have some great levels no tony hawk's underground <laughs> yeah Oh, um, okay. The uh, the the Moscow stage, which I've probably talked about before on here, is absolutely iconic to me. I can still remember the infinite kind of grind and trick line that you could do there uh, in a loop. I can still picture it in my mind of just going up the ramp, doing a trick, revert, go to the next one, grind the rail, keep jumping and doing your dark slides so that you don't fall off your balance, go back down the ramp, go up the other ramp. I, I wouldn't even say it's the prettiest level in the game, but it was like the level that everyone played online. It was the competitive go-to, and it offered you the biggest point potential. So the other two, I'm going to start with one that I've brought up before, and then I'm going to go to one that I've never talked about before. But the first one, of course, Wolfenstein 3D, killing 3D robot Hitler. You know, the level was like Hitler's bunker, and there was robot Hitler, and, and you had to blast kill him. him in the face with a machine gun until he's dead. And if you don't love killing Hitler, my God, you're not American. <laughs> and then the next one. Have any of you played the game Cold Shadow? I don't heard of it. No, I don't, I don't think uh, I've heard of it. This was a PC Super Nintendo game loosely based on Donald Duck being a ninja. So okay. he was he was actually called Maui Mallard in it, uh, and he was like a detective that had a Hawaiian shirt on, and he had a gun that would shoot these bugs, and you could get different types, and they would fire differently. But he was investigating something on like a Hawaii kind of island, so it had a very tropical vibe, very cartoony, totally had all the Disney vibes, looked like you know Donald Duck, uh, and then at a certain point, 
he got uh, infused with this tiki yin-yang power that allowed him to turn into a ninja with a staff that had like a wrap around his eyes, like a bandana wrap around. Um, and you would whack things with the staff and you could swing with the staff and you had to collect tokens to keep this power active. Well, there's one level you would get to, and I don't remember any reason for this, um, but you were getting constantly assailed by other duck ninjas that were all varying degrees of colors and they had different powers, like one could shoot fire, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you just had to ward them off and beat them until you kind of like proved yourself as the kung fu master and just being in that tiki environment swinging around fighting all the ninjas like if you're seven years old in 1996 uh it doesn't get much better than that all right i'm just telling you it was (laughs) so so much fun um and anyone that hasn't played cold shadow even just for that level i so encourage it. it it's just so much fun I don't know how well it's. What's crazy to me is the fact that so we've been talking about what forty minutes now, maybe maybe thirty minutes on this on the topic, and I don't even think we scratched the surface of the amount of you know levels and locations and um, certain moments of games that just like sing out to you for years and years on end, and and you know all kinds of games too. So that's that's so cool to me that game developers are able to keep leaving that imprint is, I mean, a lot of them, it sounds like come from our childhood, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it stands out more, but that means that, you know, games that are coming out now for children, they're going to have the same kind of feeling. I imagine that we have in, in 10 or 20 years. I hope so. I hope so too. It's funny. Cause I remember our first episode, Tom, you brought up the topic of vibrancy and games and how games were getting kind of dull. I hope that, you know, kids, 10 to 15 or maybe 8 to 15 are still going to have uh, those games that come out that they're like, oh my God, you know, 20 years ago, still remembering it. The more I've looked around recently, the more I've seen more vibrant games starting to pop back up, especially on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I think we're, I think maybe I did the prophecy thing with the first game the way that we have <laughs> <laughs> throughout this podcast. Very nice. Well, unfortunately, uh, even though, as Fleming said, like we've barely scratched the surface, um, I have plenty of other things I could talk about, but uh, we're we're about out of time. So I didn't even talk about Final Fantasy. No, I didn't <laughs> either. Megan brought it up, and I wanted to go into more detail, but we'll just have to save it for another time. I forgot about the main one that I wanted to speak of, but do we'll do it. Nope, nope do it. Too late. Too, Too late. late. All right. Yep. Well, this will just have to be a topic that we come back around to every once in a while. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, obviously, to our listeners, if you have any thoughts on the subject and would like to tell us about them, please go ahead. You can find our social medias at Facebook, which is JoyPadPod, Instagram, joypad pod and also twitter joypad pod and on youtube we are joypad there is no pod after it uh we keep plugging the youtube but guys i've been so busy that i just haven't been able to produce content one one day 
it'll come back and it'll be there. Ask me how much content I've produced for YouTube. <laughs> how much, Tom? Zero. <laughs> you've part- apologized you've more. It. You've been there. You've That's been true. there with Diablo. But, uh... No, P- Pinto's done a ton of work to create content for that channel. So, uh, do not do not apologize for anything. Do it when you have time. Yeah. Um, does anyone else have anything to add? Did I miss anything? Like subscribe. Uh, leave us a review. Do all those things. S- Spoofy, boofy, Tell us goofy. what your iconic levels are. Maybe we'll talk about them. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll tell you they're awful and you're wrong. Yeah. yeah if someone too. says, I want to be the guy, sorry. <laughs> I want to be the guy has interesting levels. No, on. we're not going into that this one. No, later. no. It's awful <laughs> to play, but it's interesting. Another episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening. I'm going to leave it to my co-host to end the episode. All right, folks. I'm going to ask one favor of you. Can you can you stay joyful for me? Can you do that? Can you stay joyful? Bye. Goodbye. Bye.